Daniel 7, 13 through 14, behold, on the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all peoples, nations and languages that they should serve him the son of man his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed okay if you were on a game show and they ask you the question what title what name did Jesus call himself by the most did Jesus call himself what would you say? I, I, I imagine most of you would get it wrong. The answer is this, son of man. In fact, Jesus used that title almost 80 times in the New Testament. Only one of those times was somebody else using it about him. This is almost exclusively what Jesus called himself. And we've been walking through in this Advent season the, the second Adam, the son of Adam, the son of David, the son of Mary. Jesus is the son of Joseph. Christmas Eve was the son of God. And now the son of man, what he called himself the most. But what does it mean, the son of man? Um, does it just mean that Jesus took on up our humanity that Jesus was a man yes it does mean that and it's one of the reasons that son of man is so precious to us as we'll talk about in a minute but it means so much more than just Jesus became a man um, to understand the other thing that it means you really got to understand a little bit of Old Testament prophecy and how the New Testament reflects on that Old Testament prophecy. And we're going to do that here in a moment as well. So as we move into a brand new year, and we desperately need a brand new year. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to take my calendar and just throw 2020 into the trash can. And there's a brand new 2021 just right there. Uh, for us to live into, as we do that, this, the, this title, the Son of Man, is going to matter to us when we understand it. It's going to help us in how we live those 365 days under Christ. So let's talk about what it means. Jesus drew a lot of attention to himself in his ministry. But Jesus did not try to get attention for himself. Why did he draw a lot of attention to himself? Well, he was doing miracles and he was teaching. You know, when Jesus appeared on the scene after 400 years of silence from God, and there have been very few miracles in the entire Old Testament. When Jesus appeared on the scene, it was a supernova of miracles. All the miracles that we have written in the New Testament, that is not the sum total of miracles that Jesus of Nazareth performed. That's just a representative sample of the miracles that we have so that we might see and believe. You can't even imagine what it is like 
for what was happening when Jesus Christ appeared on the scene. And so that drew a lot of attention. And then his teaching, as we learn, he taught, quote, as one with authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees who did not teach with authority. And so there was this incredible drawing, but he wasn't trying to focus attention on himself. You remember, and maybe when you first read the New Testament as a new believer, maybe this just blew you away, like it blew me away, where Jesus would heal somebody and he would say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Why is he doing that? Well, Jesus is humble. Jesus is not trying to draw attention to himself, but just who he is, is drawing attention to himself. I I say all that because the, the title Son of Man is an interesting title for Jesus to choose and use almost exclusively about himself. It's kind of a humble title. He could, have, he could have used son of God, right? He could have used son of David. He could have used so many things, but he chose son of man. And there's a humility in that because it reflects a kind of humiliation. Jesus came from heaven to save us. He was humiliated for God to be born into a fallen world, to live among us, to, to teach among us, and to die on a Roman cross is humiliation. This is what Jesus is saying. I have become one of you. I am the son of man. We love this title. We love Jesus for this because we are the reason that he came here. Verse 20 of Matthew, or chapter 20 of Matthew says this, for the son of man came not to be served. The son of man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. He's humble. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then John 3.14, right before John 3.16, we never read this part, says this. Jesus said, Just as Moses was lifted up, uh, just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so also will the Son of Man be lifted up. He said that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. He's talking about the cross. So what does son of man mean? Well, it means that God humiliated himself, become one of us, to save us, to to go through what it would take to save us. But this is one of those, those kind of words or phrases that has a completely different meaning. And, um, You don't necessarily see it on the surface. Yes, he is man, but the title son of man, ready for this, is primarily about the fact that Jesus is from heaven and rules in heaven. It is primarily about the fact that when Jesus comes to rule, all of heaven and earth is ruled in heaven by a man. Christ, the son of man. Now, there are people today that don't get this. Uh, bless their hearts. These would be the liberal theologians that are always looking for some reason to suggest that Jesus isn't God 
or Jesus really isn't who he says that he was. And because Jesus primarily, like 80 times, called himself the Son of Man, they say, well, he, maybe he wasn't the Son of God, but he did call himself the Son of God. He did say before Abraham was, I am. And they wanted to kill him for that because I am was the name for God. Before Abraham even existed, I am the great I am. Jesus claimed to be the son of David. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. But this is one of those words that if you don't understand this whole meaning about his glory and and the prophecy that comes out of this prophecy in Daniel, you won't get it. Now, there are words like that today. I I came across one of them recently. um, and, And a word that has two meanings today is the word goat. It's the word goat. Um... We say of certain people, you're just a goat. And that can be bad, you're a goat. Or that can be really good, you're a goat. For example, the NFL quarterback Tom Brady is called the goat. All right? So a goat is a small animal that's not very intelligent. So it's not a great thing to be called. Um, When you call somebody a goat... At least in my generation, if you called somebody a goat, you're kind of putting them down. Uh, I remember, and some of you remember this, and it still goes on. There's a family in our church, the Croslands. They appeared on a show called Let's Make a Deal. I mean, like, I'm talking about our Croslands. I have seen the video footage about seven years ago. They were on Let's Make a Deal. And I can't remember what they won, but they won something. So on Let's Make a Deal, you know, you get to shoot. Can you want to keep the money? You want what's behind door curtain number one. You want what's behind curtain number two or curtain number three. So you have to kind of choose, you know, and see what the deal is. So I'm choosing curtain number two. Well, you know what's behind one of those curtains is a brand new car, a brand new car. And so the big moment comes and the curtain, and you know what's back there? A goat, a goat. And there's this wah, wah, wah music. And you could have had a car and all you get is a goat. No, not a goat. So a goat is not a symbol of great things um, in our culture. I did uh, remember that. And so I, I wanted to make sure that it was a goat that I remembered. So I Googled it and, and sure enough, it was a goat. And I saw an article called, did anyone ever actually take home one of the goats from Let's Make a Deal? And the answer is no, uh, they got paid the value of the goat, which I have no clue. Nobody, Peter would go crazy, I guess, if, if they just like took a goat out of there. Um, they won the goat. So being called a goat is bad, as in, I want to be a hero, not a goat. Being a goat is bad. Or in separate, we need to separate the sheep from those awful goats. But then there's the, the, the really good way, of, a whole other way of seeing this word goat. Um, goat means G-O-A-T. It also means greatest of all time so being called a goat is like awesome you know if that's what you mean Tom Brady the best you know NFL quarterback ever is a goat now I asked my daughter yesterday uh do you know about this positive meaning of the word goat she's like yeah greatest of all time see I'm not of that generation she goes yeah like those shoes are goat 
And I'm like, I don't even want to go there. I don't, I, you know. So if you are a grandfather today and your wife calls you, you old goat, that's probably bad. But if your millennial or younger grandchild calls you a goat, that's probably amazing. And you need to be thankful for that. Um, the name son of man is not exactly like that, but it has that kind of feeling because on the one hand, it's a name of humiliation and humili- humility. It means that, that Christ, God became a man and took up our humanity. But on the other hand, it has this incredible meaning that we're going to look at in a moment uh, where Jesus is like, no, he's the greatest of all time, times infinity, and he is the ruler over all, and he is to be worshiped as well. So let's look at this glory part, that second meaning of the word son of man. And I want to look at it through the lens of two Christ events. The first is Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father and being seated and crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. The second is the second coming of Christ with power. So the ascension, when he ascended and was crowned King, that's what Daniel 7 is prophesying about. So Daniel, you know, was a prophecy in Babylon in what was called the exile where they had been and they were kind of in prison like under house arrest in another country and the Jews lived there. Daniel had almost lost his life. He was thrown into a den full of lions. Daniel had been arrested. I mean, it was a tough thing and it was a tough deal for the Jews altogether and they wondered what the future was going to be like and what God had in store for them. And Daniel had this dream of, of this beast, if you will, that had these different parts. And those different parts of this beast represented all the kingdoms that were going to come. And so there were all these earthly kingdoms that were going to come. But then in Daniel chapter seven, he had this dream. And this dream is where the Messiah wrecks all of the beast and is the ruler of rulers forever. So you'll notice, and I'm going to read it again, you'll notice that this isn't about Jesus coming back to earth. This is about the Messiah being brought to the ancient of days, the father, and being crowned. And, and all authority and majesty given to him. So let me read it again, Daniel seven thirteen and 14. Behold, on the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before the Father. And to him, the son of man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him, the son of man. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So the coming here is the coming of the son of man to the ancient of days and he is being crowned. This is when Jesus ascended and he was seated at the right hand of the father and he was he is now reigning. Um, 
It's an amazing thing. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He became a man. That's why he's called son of man. But he goes from earth to heaven and this man who is God rules in heaven. This is important for us as we move into a new year. Jesus rules. Do you believe that? Jesus rules. And I think that sometimes in our heart we say, well, if Jesus rules, then why are there children who are sick if Jesus rules? And if Jesus rules, why is there genocide on the other side of the planet? Or or if Jesus rules, why is there such challenge to the precepts of God's word in our country and such tumult in our republic? Well, here's the answer to that. Jesus rules and the king is patient. The king is being patient. He is waiting before he puts the hammer down. Just like God in the Old Testament waited until the full measure of the sin of the Amorites reached its point before he struck. There is a waiting here. That's a good thing because if you've put your trust in Christ, you came into the kingdom while the king was waiting. And there are many more people that even through us in this year that God wants to sweep into his kingdom. So we need to be encouraged that God rules. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who is both the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who has been crowned in heaven in the ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father. The second is Jesus coming with power, coming again to earth with power. Because he reigns, he will also come in power to the earth. And what I'd like to do and kind of close out here is I'd like to use the words of Jesus and how Jesus links Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 with what is going on right now and what will happen in his glorious return. So listen to Jesus saying what what the son of man, he'll call himself in every case, the son of man, the one, you know, the one who rules, the one with all the power. The first is Mark 8, 38 and following. For whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, this fallen world, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Mark chapter 14, verse 60. In 60 through 62. And this is at the trial of Jesus. Remember, Jesus had several trials after he was arrested. The very first one is with the Jewish high priest. And this is at the, the trial of Jesus before the high priest. Mark 14, 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? Remember, he was silent. Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and he made no answer. And the high priest demanded again, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus looked up and looked the high priest of Israel 
in the eyes and said this, I am. I am and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. That is his ascension where he is crowned and the second coming. And the last one I want to read comes from Matthew chapter 24. And all the scriptures are very interesting, but I find this one very interesting. It's one that's not really read, certainly not out loud, but not read very often, I think, where it says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn for they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels and with a loud trumpet call they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other that is the son of man who humbly became one of us to save us came here from heaven chose this humble title who was crucified on our behalf to wipe out our sin debt our sin problem between us and God so that we could be in the arms of the father who was raised to life and ascended to the right hand of the Father who was seated in his throne and given all authority in heaven and earth and all dominion and he reigns right now and who will come again. That's the Savior who loves us and that's the Savior who will lead us into 2021 the year of our Lord every single day we have every reason to have confidence we don't know all that is but God knows and we have the son of man who will lead us let's pray Lord thank you that you are the son of David the son of Mary the son of Joseph the son of God You are the son of man. Thank you that in your humility, you came to rescue us by your self-offering on the cross. Lord, we know there is nothing we can do to become holy like you. And yet there are some that do not realize this yet. They are still trying to do it on their own. But you'll never make it because you'll always fall short of the glory of God. If you would like to receive what Christ has done for you, you see this and you pray with me, Lord, I want to turn from doing it on my own. I want to turn from everything I've called religion and everything I've called Christianity. And I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. And I want to receive you, risen Christ, into my life as Savior and Lord 
Lord, thank you even now you have forgiven me. Thank you that even now you have adopted me. Thank you that even now from the right hand of the Father, from the control chair of all that is, you are loving me and leading me. And Lord, would you help those of us that have known you Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because you're not only the author, but you're the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray that we would walk into this brand new year as your people with faith in you. And Lord, thank you that you're going to not only lead us, but you're going to use us and you're going to shine the light of the gospel through us as we trust you and show the world the difference that a relationship with Christ and a church that worships and loves Christ really makes. We pray these things in Jesus' name.